right. Uh, good morning. My name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. We're in this series called Summer Playlist, where we are taking a road trip through the book of Psalms. And today, our psalm is Psalm 23, which I'm super excited about. It's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Uh, before we go any further, I want to try this. Uh, uh, I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right. Good job. All right. Well, good morning. Uh, as we go through our psalm this morning, you have a note sheet in your program. Feel free to fill along those. You don't have to take notes, but I find I uh, keep on track a little better when I'm taking notes. Plus two, you can kind of see when I'm getting towards the end and when we're going to head out to get some meat skewers at the end of service. Uh, before we dive into today's message, I just want to say thank you so much for your generosity. We just received our offering I just want to say thank you. Thank you for supporting us uh, by giving uh, of your time, of giving your money to support us as a church. Uh, I really appreciate that. Because of your generosity, um, we were able to do things like we have these awesome uh, Psalms journals. We're going to be handing these out. I think they're right over there. Grab one of these on your way out. What this is, it's an 84-page journal that uh, Matt who's up here saying, doo -doo 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 -doo. Uh, he's a graphic designer. He put this together for us. And we had a number of people in our church who uh, gave devotionals. And so as you're going through the summer, you have a little uh, devotional right here written by someone in our church. And then this uh, SOAP acronym that we talk about a lot here at Mosaic, that when you're reading scripture, uh, when you're reading through that whole chapter of Psalms, find that one verse that pops out at you and then rewrite it. There's something powerful when we actually rewrite the scripture uh, that gets it in our heart and soul even more. And then the O is for what observation is jumping out at you. Maybe it's from the devotional. Maybe it's just in your own reading as you pray. And then ask God to personalize it. Okay, God, what I just read, how does this apply to my life? And that's the application point. And then we have a little space for prayer. And there is something powerful writing out your prayers. Um, and, and maybe you just want to jot down a few things. Hey, God, this is what I'm praying for. It also helps you to focus your prayers not just on yourself, but on others when you're actually writing those out. Okay, God, that's right. I, I said I'd pray for that person in my small group. I'm going to write that down. And then at the end of the summer, you can look back and see all the ways that God has, has been teaching you through God's word. Also, all the ways that God has been answering your prayers uh, as you look back. And so I think this is going to be an awesome resource. So I'm super thankful to Matt uh, for putting this together. And then um, for everyone in the church who has uh, contributed to this. And that's just our free gift to you. You can grab one of those out here. And we can do that because of your generosity. Uh, we can do things like give away free meat skewers. Uh, Raul, who's going to be cooking those meat skewers, uh, he had surgery uh, a couple months ago, and he's recovering. And so one of the ways that we can bless him as a church is say, yes, we would love to help support you as you're paying off medical bills and, and, and bring you in to do some meat skewers. And we're just going to give those away to all the dads on Father's Day. And that's a way to bless him. Uh, it's a way for them, him to bless us. And uh, we can do that because of your generosity. Uh, Nate and I are able to be pastors on staff here because of your generosity. So I just want to say thank you so much for that. Well, today, um, as we dive into 23rd Psalm, and I think about this wonderful psalm, it reminds me of a few years ago. I was up in the Rocky Mountains uh, and did a little snowshoeing in the middle of winter. And I love Rocky Mountain National Park. It's one of my favorite places in the world. It's just beautiful. Uh, on this day, we were visiting Kristen's parents in Colorado, and I rented some snowshoes, went up to the mountains. And, you know, I didn't realize how deep the snow was. As I got into the gate, the, uh, one of the, uh, uh, the guys who works there at the park, the park ranger, was like, 
are you sure you know how deep the snow is? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. He's like, do you need, need a map? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'll follow the signs. And he kind of gave me a look and okay. And so as I started hiking, I didn't realize that the snow was actually so deep, it was above all the signposts. <laughs> and so as I was hiking, you could kind of look down and you could see below, like, the top of the sign. That's normally about five feet tall. Um, that's how deep the snow was. And so as I hiked, uh, I knew this hike pretty well. You go up, and it's about th uh, three different lakes you can hike to as you, as you uh, approach about uh, 13,000 feet. And I got to the first lake, and I realized it's just a frozen lake, and there's just kind of paths everywhere, and there's no signs anywhere because the snow is so deep. And I was like, oh, no, I am in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, with no signs, no idea where I'm going to go. <laughs> Have you ever been in a place in your life where you thought, man, how did I get here? Um, I don't know where to go. I'm not sure where the signs are. Maybe you feel a little lost. Maybe today you're facing something in your life where you just feel a little, I'm not sure what my next step is going to be what I'm supposed to do. Um, you know, sadly, I never made it out of there, and I died up in the mountains. Uh, no, no, no. Fortunately, I was like, what am I going to do? And four guys kind of came out, and I was like, hey, um, do you know where, how to get to uh, Emerald Lake, which was the next lake up? And they're like, yeah. And it just so happens uh, they were uh, a backcountry uh, backpacker, like pros, who had just finished their residency ER doctors. And so I was like, man, what a perfect group of guys to go hiking with. Uh, doctors who are backwoods pros. <laughs> like, God was watching out for me. Amen? Otherwise, I might not be here today. Um, but the great thing is that as we go through life, God doesn't just give us a map. God doesn't just sit in the ranger station watching us. But God gives us a guide God gives us someone who's right there on the journey with us as we're going through life. And although we may be uncertain, God is not uncertain. And the beautiful thing is that God still has the whole world in his hands, amen? That although everything around us may be a little crazy, uh, God is still in control. And we can uh, know that for sure. And today, as we dive into the 23rd Psalm, I, I hope that perhaps these familiar words Something will jump out at you this morning that will ring true to your soul. And maybe today, as, as you're going through life and on your journey, maybe you feel a little lost or a little uncertain. You're just not sure the next step to take. Uh, my prayer is that, that God will begin to speak to you even this morning. Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, I thank you so much that you are a guide here with us. That God, you are here in this place. You don't just send us a map. You don't just sit in a ranger station, but God, you are here. We thank you. We thank you that wherever we are in the green pastures, in the dark valleys of uncertainty, God, you are here with us. We thank you for that. God, I pray that the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. God, that these would be your words, not mine. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, as we go through this series on the book of Psalms, normally I preach through uh, the version of the Bible called the ESV. I love it. But for some of these old Psalms, I like it in the King James Version. Anyone else? So this morning we're going to read the 23rd Psalm in the King James Version. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, we're going to read it in the message paraphrase. 
the great thing about the 23rd Psalm is it's probably the most well-known chapter in the whole Bible. I think John 3.16, you know, the Tim Tebow verse, is the most famous verse in all of Scripture. That or judge not lest you be judged. That's kind of the most commonly out-of-context Scripture. But probably everyone knows John 3.16. But for chapters, the 23rd Psalm is probably one of the most famous ones of all. I mean, even a lot of, like, horror movies, which I don't watch really, but they will quote, you know, like, Oh, yea, they walk through the valley of the shadow of death while they're holding their shotgun or something, right? You know? Like, people know this uh, chapter. So let's read it in the King James Version, and then we'll read it in the message. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table for, before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, and now the message version, uh, there's a pastor named Eugene Peterson. He, he was a, a small, uh, pastor of a small church for about 30 years. The church never grew larger than 500. Wrote many, many books on pastoring. I, I love his works. And then for his congregation, he decided he wanted to do a paraphrase of a kind of modern-day English, but he's a scholar in Hebrew and ancient languages, brilliant guy. And so that's what the message version is. It's, it's not a, a word-for-word translation, but it's kind of a thought-for-thought. Thought. And, and sometimes the way Eugene Peterson tra- translates the Hebrew is just so beautiful. Let's read that. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You've bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk on my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. And I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. The 23rd Psalm echoes the story that the Jewish people knew so well. Whenever you read in the Old Testament, you have to understand the key moment for the people of God is the Exodus, the Exodus story, how they were in bondage in Egypt and God freed them. That everything in the Old Testament is seen in light of that amazing event. And as David, the giant slayer, uh, the shepherd, the one who punched a, de- uh, 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 a bear one time and a lion one time in the face to, to rescue his sheep. The king, he's also our warrior poet, a songwriter. And David, he knows the story of God's people. And as he's writing this song towards God, he remembers how God is faithful and brought them out of land of bondage into freedom. And so as he's talking about leading them into these green pastures and quiet waters, it's a reminder that we can put our faith in in the same God who led the Israelites through the desert and into the promised land. The wilderness was the shadow of death. It was there that God spread a table for them by giving them manna to eat. From the Exodus event onward, this shepherd language was used many times throughout Scripture to describe God's relationship with his people. And many of God's uh, leaders were actually shepherds themselves. David was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. 
In other words, the confidence that comes out of Psalms 23 is one that is steeped in the theology and remembrance of those earlier days when God made his covenant with his people. And David is saying, that's the God that I know, the God that was able to lead my people out of bondage, the God that entered into covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and who gave the law on Mount Sinai. That God is the God that I know. David's going to tell us three things that we need to know about God. Number one, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. As we read this psalm, Yahweh, the Lord, God, occupies the first and primary place. I actually like how in the message version, uh, Eugene Peterson puts it, actually the very first word is God. That's the way it is in the Hebrew. There's no the Lord. It's just God is my shepherd. The Lord. David is saying, that's what we need to focus on first. The very first thing is God. Here at Mosaic, we like to say it's all about Jesus. Because Jesus can change everything. Amen? It's all about him. And every week, we need to remember, it's first and foremost about our God. About Jesus. And that occupies even the first place in this psalm. Second is the word, my David's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. The word reveals a pledged relationship where he dares to link Yahweh, the deliverer, the one true God, with his follower. The Lord, this great God, is my shepherd. The God who led the people through the Red Sea, who appeared to Moses in a burning bush, who's mighty to save, is my shepherd. Everything in the psalm flows from that. David says, Yahweh is my shepherd. The focus here is on my. In David's time, the temptation was to focus on that the Lord is our deliverer. God is, is for us as a people. And to kind of forget about the personal aspect. Here in our Western culture, we have kind of the opposite. We tend to focus exclusively on Jesus as my personal Lord and forget that he's not just my shepherd, but he's also our shepherd. He's the God of our people. The third thing we see here is this idea of shepherd that David is going to use as a metaphor for God. By using the word shepherd, it's perhaps the most intimate metaphor used in all of the Psalms. Now again, this is probably the most popular chapter in the whole Bible, so we've heard this probably many times. Most of us, we've heard this, the Lord is my shepherd. But when you think about how radical that was, compare shepherd from the distant king or deliverer or even the impersonal objects like God is my rock or my, uh, my foundation. He is my, the shelter I run into. Those are all great metaphors, but David dares to use the most personal and intimate metaphor that he could think of as a shepherd himself. But since not too many of us probably have many uh, relationships with shepherds, I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, and there's a difference between kind of shepherds in our Western culture and shepherds in the Eastern culture. Uh, here in the West, typically our shepherds drive the sheep in front of them. They use a sheep dog. They might use, uh, uh, you know, a truck or something to, to drive the sheep forward. But in the Eastern culture, in the Middle East where David is from, the shepherd would lead his flock. He'd be out front, 
Not back, pushing, but he'd be in front, leading. And the reality is, shepherds in the Middle East look very much the same as they did 3,000 years ago when David wrote this, except for now they might have a cell phone on them. Basically, they look basically the same. But we need to get past this kind of weak, anemic view of a shepherd who's just kind of like, you know, hunky-dory, nice guy. See, shepherds were bad dudes, all right? One theologian said that shepherds, when they went out with their flocks, looked like warriors getting ready for battle. That's the image of shepherd that you and I need to have. Uh, the closest thing I can find uh, to come up with is a Maasai warrior from Africa. Go ahead and put, place up, put up one of those pictures. Yeah, that's what you need to be picturing as a shepherd. Someone who's ready to go into battle. Someone who's ready to fight for you. I heard a theologian uh, was interviewing one of these uh, warriors and asked, why do you wear red as a shepherd getting ready to, to, to lead and protect your flock? And they said, well, we think the lion is able to see the color red. He said, I want the lion to know that this flock has a shepherd. Man, that is awesome. I love that. That the shepherd puts his life on the line. He says, this flock is mine. Because the lion can see red. I love that. That's your shepherd. A fierce warrior, ready to protect the flock. Verse 2, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. These green pastures were a seasonal phenomenon. Parts of the desert would turn green during the winter and spring, but in summer and fall, the sheep would be led to many different places in search of food. That the thing is that sheep actually, they will always gravitate towards the easiest and shortest grass. And if the shepherd doesn't lead them to different pastures, they will just eat it to the ground and, and the grass will be gone. And so one of the shepherd's responsibilities is to lead them constantly to different places where the grass might be a little bit longer, but then they don't eat it all the way down to the roots. Man, when I heard that, how many times in our own lives do we get set in just kind of the same thing, and we just eat, and we graze, and we just stay content, and our good shepherd knows, nope, I need to get you over here where it might be a little tougher grazing, but it's good for you. God's care and provision, you want to write this down, is constant and abundant. It's constant and abundant. Our good shepherd is constantly leading us to green pastures. His, his provision is abundant in our lives as he teaches us, as he leads us. And these quiet waters are the wells and springs where the sheep can drink without being rushed. Man, how many of you guys would love just have a moment to breathe, to drink, without feeling rushed. <laughs> That's what our shepherd does for us. If you're like me, man, you are just going, 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 going all throughout the week. And see, sheep are not very smart. Sheep will actually die of thirst if the water is going too fast. They need to be led to quiet, still waters. And this combination of green pastures and quiet waters shows that Jesus, our good shepherd, both refreshes and renews us. 
Jesus knows when we are rushing too much and need to slow down, to be refreshed, to be renewed by his quiet waters. That's one of the reasons we're giving you this journal. You know, today's Father's Day. Dads, I want to encourage you. If, like me, you struggle sometimes to be like, man, I don't know how to do devotions with my kids. I don't know how to lead them spiritually. I know I'm supposed to kind of take the, 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 you know, the lead in this. I want to encourage you, just sit down with your fam at, at breakfast or dinner or some other time that works for you. And these are pretty short devotionals. Just read this with your family. And then ask your kids, hey, what stood out to you? You know, what can we apply as a family in our lives? What should we be praying about? Dads, this is a great tool to use this summer in an unrushed way to drink from those still waters of God's word. But throughout the Bible, again and again, God compares us to sheep. I think a lot of us think, oh, cuddly, soft sheep. But then if you ever spend time with sheep, you realize how dumb they are. And you realize God's kind of saying something about us, right? <laughs> like, we aren't the smartest. God knows better than us. No matter how smart we think we are, we are actually dumb sheep. See, sheep, if they see a hole, they'll walk into it. They will die of thirst if those streams are too fast. They will not fight back. Like sheep, when they're grazing, and a lion comes and attacks their buddy, he's like, bummer, I guess I'm next. Like, they have no defense, right? Like, that's how sheep are. And because sheep are so helpless, they need a lot of looking after. In the desert at night, sheep were often herded into walled enclosures that either backed up against a cliff or were at the end of a canyon. And sometimes these enclosures had waist-high stone walls topped with thorny bushes that the shepherd would put on top. And such a pen was a place of safety so the sheep would not become prey for those lions or those other wild animals at night. And there'd be one small opening, a doorway, in the middle of that pen. There'd be no door. So what would they do then to guard that one opening? Well, the shepherd would lay down in that one opening. That's where he would sleep. Jesus in John 10, verse 7 through 10 says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Jesus lays down in that place. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. This idea of a pen where the sheep are safe and Jesus is the gate as they go out and find pasture and life and come back and go in and out. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that may have life and have it to the full. Our shepherd's desire is for us to have life and have it to the fullest extent. Jesus, our good shepherd, is both our protector who lies down in that place so no wild animals can get to the flock and our provider leading us to green pastures and still waters. Jesus is our protector and our provider. In our lives, Jesus is your protector. Jesus is your provider. Number two, we see the Lord is my guide. The Lord is my guide. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. At this crucial moment in this song, David turns from speaking about God to speaking to God. Oftentimes in our worship, we do the same thing, where we start by singing about God, the Lamb of God. 
And then we shift to speaking directly to him. In our lives, we turn from speaking about God to speaking to him. And that's what David does right here. And David, what David wants us to know is that the dark valley is as much a part of his right paths for our lives as the green valley. The dark valley is just as much a part of his plan, his guidance, as the green pastures. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Matthew 14, Jesus sends his disciples into the storm. Were they in that storm because they were disobedient to Jesus? No. Jesus sent them into that storm to teach them something. In the same way, when our path leads us through the dark valleys, it doesn't mean we're out of God's will necessarily, but that those dark paths are just as much a part of his plan for our lives as are the green valleys. And this imagery of the valley of the shadow of death were called these wadis uh, in the Middle East or these very narrow uh, valleys where you couldn't even see the sun because of how steep the walls were. And the shepherd would lead his flock through those dark valleys. And even here, the metaphor of the shepherd is continuing on. Now we need to trust that as we go through these valleys, and even though it feels like the sun is blocked out and we don't know what is going on, we need to trust that God is with us just as much in those dark valleys as when we're right beside the still waters. In John 10, verse 11, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. He's good. He lays down his life for the sheep. In the Middle East, the shepherd is known for having a personal devotion and relationship to his sheep. He would talk to them. He would sing to them. I think David learned how to be a songwriter out there with his sheep as he sang to those sheep. I don't think he played a harp. He actually played a guitar. That's what I think. It's biblical. Often shepherds would even carry a short little flute and they'd do a certain cue and the, sh the sheep would know, oh, this is my shepherd. This is what this means. And the shepherd doesn't drive his sheep. Rather, he's out front leading the way towards those Green pastures and still waters. When you and I believe in Jesus Christ, he's right there beside us as our shepherd. He's not sitting on the porch watching you. He doesn't just give you a map. He gives you himself. You're being led by your good shepherd. He's your guide. Maybe you're thinking, man, but what if I made such a big mistake? What if I messed up my life and I, and I strayed out of what God's plan is for me? But see, your Redeemer is your Creator, and God knows. God can take any mistake you make, and he weaves it into his plan. He says, it's all right. I'm right there with you. Even when you mess up, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm rewriting the plan. I'm, I'm, I'm working it all out. We never sin so badly. We never stray so much out of God's will that God's like, whoops, I don't know what to do now. Our good shepherd knows. Amen. David tells us that his the shepherd's rod and the staff will lead us. The rod was this short club that shepherds would use for defense. I think we have a picture of, of, of a club, one of the Maasai warriors starting. Yeah, that's what, that's what the, the rod would look like. It was a cudgel. It's a symbol of God's strength and power and authority. The staff is that more traditional shepherd's crook with a little thing on the end, or they'd hang their torch at night, they'd stick it in the ground. It was used to draw the sheep closely to the shepherd, the staff, to guide it or rescue it from trouble. God's rod and his staff reassure us of God's love and guidance in our life. 
And the staff was used to walk with to round up the sheep. But sometimes sheep don't listen so well. Sometimes sheep keep drifting again and again and again, and they will leave the flock. So what then? Well, the shepherd has to leave the flock. to go track down that sheep. And what the shepherd would do is he'd pick up that sheep, he'd lift it up above his head, throw it to the ground, so the, she- the sheep was stunned, and then very quickly he'd tie up its feet and throw it on its shoulder and take it back to the flock. Now, if you're that sheep, you're out by yourself, you're grazing, you're doing your thing, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom, you're dropped down, you're dazed, you're confused, all of a sudden you can't move, you're tied up, you're like, God, what are you doing? Ever been in that place in your life? Little dazed, a little confused, a little like, whatever, I can't move, what's going on? Jesus is like, come on, we got to get you back on track, got to get you back to the flock. Sometimes our shepherd knows what we need, and that's to be a little shook up, a little dazed. We might not be able to move because he's got us tied up a little bit, take us back. But sometimes that sheep would stray again and again and again. So what's the shepherd to do? Now, maybe some human shepherds, someone who's just a hired hand to be like, you know what, that sheep is too much work. Let's just let it go, let it be dinner for the lion, right? But do you know what a good shepherd would do? He'd take that rod and he would take the sheep after he'd found it and he would break the sheep's leg. You know why? Because the shepherd loves the sheep so much that he would rather lame the sheep than lose it. Because then that sheep has to stay so close to the shepherd as it limps, as it hobbles. In our lives, sometimes we keep straying and we keep going into danger. And our shepherd knows, man, we are getting ready to fall over a cliff or there's some wolves over there. And if, if he doesn't do something a little drastic in our lives, so sometimes our shepherd will break a leg. And we're like, God, why did you do that? I thought you loved me. I'm so much in pain. I'm hurt. And, and, and as we're in a hurt, we have to stick so close to our shepherd. Because our shepherd would rather lame us than lose us. There's nothing else this morning that you walk away with. I want you to know, sometimes God allows pain in your life. Things to happen. Because he'd rather lame you than lose you. And I want to encourage you that if you're in that season of pain and uncertainty, allow it to make you stay close to your shepherd. Number three, the Lord is my host. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love how Eugene Peterson translates it in the message. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. And I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. The Lord is also a host at a banquet prepared for us. Before entering the banquet hall, the host would anoint the honored guest with oil that was made of olive oil with added perfumes to it. But here's the beautiful news. that There is room at God's table for all of us. We are all invited to come to the table, to eat with God. 
that I may eat in the Lord's table in faith, fully at, at peace, protected by the shed blood and broken body of our good shepherd, Jesus. And this talk of a feast anticipates a victory celebration where the enemies are present as captives. It's possible in this image that the enemies are there as captives, or it's also possible that because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and all are invited, that you and I will actually get to eat at the same table as our enemies who are now redeemed and restored back to the flock. Our good shepherd is working things out. But thing the thing is, it's the prospect is better than just a feast. In the Old Testament world, to eat and to drink at someone's table created a bond, a mutual loyalty. It could be the culminating to token of a covenant. It's entering into a covenant relationship with God. And what this is about is about being more than just an acquaintance with God, invited for the day. It's more than just coming over for dinner. We are invited to live with God. It's the end of a long pilgrimage, a coming home at last. It's although we have strayed, God invites us in, not just for a day, but for a lifetime, to come home at last, to eat at the table. And through Jesus, all are welcome. So what does that mean for us? Three things. Number one, we need to follow Jesus comprehensively. Follow him comprehensively. See, the sheep needed the shepherd for every area of their life. Provider, protector, the physician. Jesus says, I am your shepherd king. I need every area of your life. What is that area of your life that you are not allowing the shepherd to speak into? What is that thing that you need to lay down? We all have something, that secret addiction, that pride where we think we don't need others or that we are better than those around us, our finances, our sexuality. What is it? We want to follow Jesus comprehensively in every area. Follow Jesus unconditionally. Follow him unconditionally. See, sometimes Jesus leads us through those dark valleys and we don't understand. We don't get it. God, why is it so dark? What is going on? I can't even see the light. It's so dark, I'm not even sure if you're here with me as my shepherd. Trust that Jesus is there. Even when you don't see him, even when it doesn't feel like he's there, trust that he is there. Follow him unconditionally. Sometimes we'll be able to look back and see, man, through that dark valley, God is with me. Sometimes we won't look back, and, and we'll never understand this side of heaven, why we went through that. That song the band sang, uh, based off uh, the 23rd Psalm, uh, the first part of that song, uh, so actually, actually, I wrote that 10 years ago, um, nine years ago. I was up in the mountains at a retreat, and we had gone through the season of infertility. And Father, I think it was really hard. And uh, someone had paid for me to go up to this retreat sat down with my Bible, opened the 23rd Psalm, and it spoke to me. And I wrote those verses in that chorus. And then our worship team came together and wrote that beautiful bridge at the end. But as I wrote that, I felt in the middle of a dark valley. Because I've shared this many times, man, we wanted to be parents, and it wasn't happening in three years of trying. And in the middle of that dark valley, God is with me. And I was like, man, I don't get it. It doesn't happen often. This hardly ever happens, but the next day we found out we were pregnant with Joshua. 
our oldest. Sometimes you can look back at the dark valleys and be like, God, I get it. I didn't get it in the valley, but I understand you were with me. And today on this Father's Day, if, if you desperately want to be a dad, be a dad again. It's not working. I get it. Sometimes we look through the valleys and we don't know why we went through them. But Jesus, your shepherd, is with you. Number three, follow Jesus personally. Follow him personally. Every other founder of a major religion died and left his teaching behind. Our shepherd was struck down, but then was raised up. The beautiful thing about Psalms 23 is that it ends with Jesus preparing a table for us. The sheep becomes a friend to the shepherd. The sheep becomes a friend to the shepherd as they sit down and eat together. See, Jesus is a shepherd who became a sheep so that you and I could be friends with God. Jesus, our shepherd, became a sheep, became one of us, laid down his life, that through his shed blood and his work on the cross, and what we could not accomplish on our own, we can now be invited to live with God forever in his presence. He doesn't want you just to be a sheep. He wants you to be his friend. He wants you to feel his love. He doesn't want just obedience. He wants fellowship. He wants friendship. And the shepherd names you. In John 10, 3, it says, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The shepherd names you. To this day, a shepherd can go into a crowded sheepfold and call out his sheep by name one by one, and they will recognize his voice, and they will come out of that sheepfold. See, the shepherd who spends hours and most of his days in their company, he knows their individual characters, their markings, their likes and dislikes. And what's more is those sheep know their shepherd. They know his voice. Someone else can come into that sheepfold and call the same names, but they know it's not the voice of their shepherd. They're listening for that one voice that matters most voice they trust. And when they hear it, the shepherd doesn't need a sheepdog to keep them in order. He doesn't walk behind them, driving them on. He walks ahead, calling them, and they follow. Jesus, your good shepherd, calls you by name. In the Old Testament, a name is more than just a label. It's significance. It's mission. It's your distinctiveness. It's what God has in store for you. It's from him that you will finally get what you've waited for your whole life. Friendship with God, purpose, a name. If you have not yet crossed that line of faith, God invites you into his family. If you are a follower of Jesus, your next step is to become a shepherd. Yourself. Point to the one who named you. Point to the one who called you. Point to the one who invites you to his table. Who can you shepherd? Who can you lead? How can you point to the one who named you, the one who laid down his life for you? This summer, use this resource. Invest in someone. Use it yourself for the still waters. God invites us to his table. Who can you invite to your table? There's something holy and significant when we sit down and we share a meal together. Invite your neighbors over. 
get to know them. That difficult coworker, invite them over for dinner and find out their story. Maybe they're in the middle of a dark valley. And they don't see any light. You can point them, the one who names you, the one who loves. Would you join me in prayer? Before we close our service, uh, I just want to give the opportunity to respond. If you have not crossed the line of faith, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, our good shepherd who laid down his life as a sheep so that we could become friends with God, I want to give you that chance right now. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. I just want to give you the opportunity to respond and then we're going to close. I believe that if God's speaking to you on the inside, that what he's doing on the inside is real. And when we respond in a physical way, it makes it all that much more tangible to us. So I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand if you'd like to respond to that free gift of salvation, to trust in Jesus who laid down his life for you. On the count of three, I just want to ask you to raise your hand. Number one, I believe that God loves you so much. He sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. Number two, that we are all invited. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what has been done to us. All are invited to live with God forever to eat at his table. Three, if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus today for the very first time, go ahead and raise your hand. I shall make eye contact with you. Is there anyone this morning who would like to make that decision? Let's continue in prayer. God, I thank you. You are a good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep so that you and I, so we could all become your friends. God, I pray that you would speak in our hearts even now and as we go out. God, how can we shepherd? How can we uh, point to the one who names us, the one who knows us, the one who died for us? God, I want to pray just especially for all the dads in the room. God, that we would not feel overwhelmed, that we would not feel tired. God, that, that the pressures of the world would not be too strong for us. But God, that you would be our father, that you would be our strength. God, that we would trust you to lead us beside still water so that we could be restored. God, I pray that we could help to, to love our spouses, to, to lead our kids. Thank you, God, that, that you just pour out Love and grace just drips from our head. Be with us now, God, as we head out of here and we eat some good meat skewers. And we pray, amen. All right, would you stand and receive the benediction? We almost did lamb skewers, but I thought that was just going to be too awkward. So we're not eating lamb. We're eating, I believe, steak or chicken. Um... You can head out. Uh, again, grab one of these journals on your way out. Um, grab a, a skewer. Um, let the guys get them first, and then ladies, kids, what we have left over, go ahead. Uh, we'll make sure all the dads get one at least today. Um, but may you know, as you go out of here, that God loves you so much, that he sent his only son, Jesus, that he's a good shepherd who leads, who guides, who protects, but also that our shepherd became a sheep so that you and I can be friends with God. May each one of us know that we can find peace and hope through God and are invited to his table and then invite others along to eat at our table in fellowship as well. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.